Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Well, we might be getting back uh, to normal and uh, restoring uh, the economy, but the lockdown is not over for some. Uh, Des is on the line. Good morning to you, Des, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, we've uh, a number of people who are going to speak to us uh, who are concerned about people with uh, disabilities. Des, perhaps uh, you'd begin by telling us uh, about your son. He's 14 years of age uh, and uh, severely disabled, I think. Yeah, good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, Luke is, is 14. He's one of uh, four boys that I have. And, yeah, he's severely intellectually disabled. Wide variety of medical issues, um, severe epilepsy, he's non-verbal. So a lot of the time he, he wears a hurling helmet because he, he smashes his face in. So self-interest behaviour is a big problem. Mm. So uh, anyway, look, sure, I, I gave up work about 11 years ago to, to care for him. Mm. And my wife works full-time. So he tends a special care unit in um, Johnstown in, in, in Navan. So it's kind of like um, an adjunct to St. Mary's Special School, which is also in Johnstown. So during the school terms, like, like, uh, like mainstream schools, teachers from St. Mary's are based in a special care unit to give um, classes twice a day. But when he's not in class, he's, um, he's cared for and nursed by HSC staff. Okay. So the, like, the staff there um, who care, nurse them, are, you know, they're brilliant. They show a lot of love and support mm. to, the, to all the children. There's about a dozen children in, in the unit and they've all got complex medical needs. Mm. So, and I, I, know, I know you speak very highly of uh, the unit and the care that's uh, yeah. given to the children. There's only 12 children I- in the unit, isn't there? There's only, yeah, there's only 12 uh, children in the unit. Um, and admission is now by the Department of Education to, to, to get in there. It used to be enabled Ireland HSE a number of years ago. So right. mm. I suppose where we are now, Michael, is really, we're now day 113 of the lockdown. And basically, we've heard nothing from the local H- HSE management about the unit. No communication mm. at all. So, like I said, the, the, the 12 children, like, my opinion is that we've been, they've been forgotten about. You probably need a helmet yourself, because I think you've been banging your head off a brick wall. Well, you know, it is yeah. get to that stage. Like, yeah. all, all our families are on their knees or a breaking point. Like, mm. the, the, the best way I can describe it is that a Sunday in my house, it can be very stressful with Luke, because he's already out of his routine from finishing school on the Friday. And now that's day two, mm. and we're now at day 113. Mm. So it is tough, but yeah. I suppose... Um, the, the, the overriding emotions at the moment is just frustration mm. for, with the HSE because we've heard nothing about the unit. 
It's um, so I suppose when the when the roadmap was dished out in early May with the government, there was nothing in there about disabilities with, with adults or children. So that was early May. So basically, I took it to uh, lobby TDs and councillors to see well, what is the situation with spe- special care unit as we're, like, because the pandemic was f- very bad at that stage. Mm. And basically, uh, like I, I emailed them at the start of May and I heard nothing for the month of May. And then I received a couple of emails in the first three weeks in June, two from the chief officer and one from the assistant director um, of nursing, Mead and Loud. And basically the, 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 the content of the emails were exactly the same. They might as well have just copy and pasted it. There was nothing in it. But the significant point in all those the three communications from HSE was that in two of the three letters, they actually wrote that they were in talks with uh, St. Mary's about reopening the school. Okay. Let- Hold that thought for a second, because yeah. I just want to explain to our, our listeners, Des, uh, that I have reams of paper I- in front of me, uh, letters uh, that yeah. you've been receiving from the HSE, uh, responses to TDs. Uh, it was taken up for you in the doll by Jack Chambers and by Fergus O'Dowd. Uh, there's correspondence between our office and the HSE, and there's an awful lot of communication, but very little being said, and you're very frustrated by the way you've been treated by the HSE. Yes, that's the bottom line. I've been treated on behalf of the parents' special unit with total disdain, total one-liner quips. You know, they're not actually giving me any information regarding the formulating plans to reopen the unit. You know, like as I said, they said they were in talks in St Mary's School, but however, the principal of that school contacted I contacted her, and they were not in any talks. With the only up, up to last week after I contacted the principal, so there's been total, you know, like her remit to the principal of the school is the two classrooms in the unit, and she confirmed that the governance of the HSE, the services provided by the HSE in the special care unit, is not under her remit. Mm. So in essence, Michael, the HSE viewed the special care unit as an educational facility for for all all year, mm. twelve months of the year. The reality of the situation is that it is an education facility for the children during school term. But it's not for July and August because the teachers are on holidays. It is specifically a HSE nursing-led unit caring for the vulnerable children. Mm. And that's the, that's the bottom line. And that's the, the rhetoric we've been getting back from the HSE the whole time is that it's an education facility. And we want to see a plan about hoping to get it re- reopened because the children thrive in routine. And if there's no routine, you know, the regression has been so evident, particularly for, I can only mm. speak for Luke. You know, at, at the moment, like Luke is mobile when he's in good form. He can't walk now, Michael. He can't stand. His anxiety is through the roof. Mm. He's crying and whimpering. All it's, it's so sad to look at. I have to say, because there's no 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 routine in his life at the moment. You know. Yeah, it's uh, dreadful. Uh, and the HSE uh, wrote to us. Uh, we sent. Uh, the reams of paper I was speaking about a moment ago to the HSE and asked them to communicate with you because you're at your yep. wit's end. And we got a one-line reply from them saying that they were in regular contact with the school. We said, well, based on what Des has told us, that's not the case. And your statement appears to be misleading. They've clarified that somewhat, but you still have no clarity about when the unit will open. No, I suppose where we are now, on, like as I said, on day 113, still no contact from the HSE local management to parents about the special care unit. Yeah. Um, parents who live close to Johnstown have told me that nothing has been done with the unit regarding the COVID-19 guidance. There's no sanitising, signage, perspex, nothing like that at all. Um, 
I think the special care unit manager, I believe, from, the, from the, that paperwork that we received, has only started a risk assessment unit. They're six to eight weeks too late. Like, the whole country opened up on Monday. You know, the pubs, the barbers. Like, there's no issue with social distancing with the children in, in the unit. We've got four or five massive big rooms in the special care unit to mm. cater for 12 children. You know, like the HSC staff, that, as I said, are great mm. to look after children. They were redeployed over the months during the COVID pandemic, which is, which is great. They were in swabbing clinics and nursing homes. But now I believe they're covering staff holders in the adult services. So it's time for them to be redeployed back to their, their old jobs. And okay. yet the HSC, they, they have failed to plan, to give us a plan for special care units to, 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 to reopen. So mm-hmm. it's, it is it's extremely okay. uh, frustrating. I guess, Michael, like, all I can say is that initially all we wanted was a, a date and put in front of us say, look, we hope to open and say by the 1st of August to give us something to aim for. Do you know, mm-hmm. at, yeah. at least as a family, we know, OK, 1st of August, hopefully Luke will go back, mm-hmm. you know, on, on a phase basis. Obviously, when it's safe to do so in, lo- in, in line with COVID okay. uh, guidance. But instead, like all of, I have got from the HSE, no dialogue at all. And it's a, a regressive reaction uh, that uh, you're seeing in, Luke, I think, as a, a result of all of this. It is, it is regressive and talk to other parents, you know, their children have, have regressed as well. They thrive in routine. Yeah. Luke is non-verbal. He can't communicate at all. But I know by looking in his eyes if you, you know, I went over for a spin one day over towards Kenstown and I knew but he, he thought he was going to school. Mm. When, I, when I turned off back over to Central Town <laughs> he got very thick with me. You know, so he, mm. he knows, he thrives on the routine. Like when the bus mm. comes in the morning, he He's, he's all smiles and he's happy. He, he knows he's going on, on the exact same day every day. Des, but, hang, uh, hang on a second. I, I want to go to Laura, who's on uh, the phone. Uh, and uh, Laura, maybe you'd uh, tell us uh, about your sister, because uh, your sister is a lot older than Luke. Uh, she's a, a grown woman, uh, but uh, obviously uh, is suffering because she's not getting these day services. And, and you've uh, started a, a petition. You've almost 5,000 signatures, I think, at this stage. Yeah, that's right, Michael. Um, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk to you about this. Um, my lovely sister Deirdre is 28 and Deirdre has Down syndrome and um, as Des said there as well, it's 113 days now that, that since she's had a reason to get out of bed. Um, her lifeline with society is her day service, Prosper Leesbrook, which is part of Prosper Mead. And every day when Deirdre wakes up, you know, usually she'd go into the kitchen in her pajamas mm. and she'd cross off a new day on the calendar. Um, a day when she'd be meeting her friends, heading into Prosper, and she'd have lots of activities um, happening. But since April now, she has stopped marking off the days on her calendar. Instead, and you're me, counting them, as you said, 113 days. That's it. And, um, you know, it's, it's like Groundhog Day. So for, for uh, Deirdre, her friends and her peers, adults with intellectual disabilities, as for uh, Luke as well, children as well with intellectual disabilities, they are really... Um, missing out and we as a community that we need they're relying on us as a community to be able to start their lives again and what i really feel is we need a firm timeline and a plan of action from the hse and prosper mead um, at the moment what we've received is very little parents received a letter on the 18th of june and um, it had 11 questions on this letter from prosper mead none of which were answered and um, they said that they were awaiting formal guidance. And then through some political pressure, I did receive a letter, which parents received also yesterday. And um, that was one that I would say would speak for, of a point of fear. Mm. It has little hope on it, uh, no clear dates of return. Mm. And, you know, to me, uh, these services need to be person-centred. 
And at the moment, um, I suppose I'd be like Des and on behalf of my parents and people like Deirdre um, and other people with intellectual disabilities, I'm just wondering, where is the hope? Mm. Where, you know, we're seeing, um, I'm, I'm listening to the ads there uh, before your show, and they were talking mm. about um, normality, and they're saying we're all in this together. Um, unfortunately, I'm not seeing any... Um, any reasons there that, um, or any hope there that our uh, loved ones with intellectual disabilities are in this, based, are part of this phase three? Based uh, on what I know, and I know very little about this, Laura, I'd have to say, uh, but based on uh, the little that I, I do know, I wrote to the HSE a couple of days ago and yeah. I, I asked them uh, if they were aware that families were appealing for help and if the HSE was being dismissive of those appeals. Yeah, well, I, I would feel that because what I feel is that they're kicking it to touch. So we're asking um, um, Prosper and Prosper are saying that they're reverting back to the HSE. And it just seems to be um, there's no detail on a plan. There's no detail on a model of service that may allow Deirdre and her friends attend Prosper. Now, like Des mentioned there as well, Obviously, we know that there's 24 service users in, in the centre that Deirdre goes to. And I know that 24 of them could not go but, uh, at the one time. But there are, you know, when we look at creches, they have these models of pods and bubbles. And I think it would be very possible to have a reduced amount and even to give people the choice. There's no choice. Um, there doesn't seem to be, um, um, uh, you know, there was no questionnaire asking, would Deirdre like to go? Where, where are these, where's the voice for our uh, loved ones with intellectual disabilities here? And I'm not dismissing that there is um, a risk here, um, but the letter that I received, uh, the last one I got, which is dated the 30th of June, it states on it that there is 187 service users attending Prosper Meads, as there is a number of centres throughout the county, and 71 of those have a serious medical condition. Mm. Now, that means there's 116 who don't. And, you know, that's 62% of the services users who I believe need to have, um, give, be given a choice, an option. And we need some hope. We need clarity. We need timelines. And, if they, you know, the other thing I would like to ask as well, um, the listeners, Michael, as well, is, you know, are they aware there's 30 hours of funding and, um, that Deirdre is received, receiving? Um, she's entitled to 30 hours. And at the moment, she's receiving one. So she's getting one hour of contact time and, you know, she's sitting on her bed all day. She's wondering, what's going on? How come I'm not going to, uh, you know, going to my, everyone else has gone back to work. Why aren't I going back to Prosper? You know, mm. um, Deirdre and her peers, they love it. They love going. This is where they, this is their, their lifeline. Sure, yeah. You both sound you know? genuinely heartbroken. Uh, would I be right in saying uh, that uh, your story, your situation uh, is almost identical to Des's? You would. Um, I suppose the thing is, is that uh, there seems to be a lot of hand wringing. And what I feel is that there, you know, the uh, if the services, and again, if the services are saying that they're awaiting proper guidelines, you know, then the HSC needs to start. Um, you know, we need a proper action plan from them. You know, these are our citizens. These are our members. You know, is this how we treat? everyone in our in our community and again i'll go back to the ad there that i heard you know that is obviously maybe a state-run ad we're all in this together i'm not um feeling that at the moment and you know the what i feel we need now is compassion and action
We so really need that. Stay, That's really stay, important. Stay there, Laura, if you will, and uh, we'll obviously uh, tell people how they can sign your petition in a, a moment. Uh, Enda Egan, though, the Chief Executive Officer of Inclusion Ireland, is on the line. And it's true to say that Laura's story echoes Des's story. Is it true to say that there are other stories right across the country that mirror these stories and indeed the experience uh, that Luke and Deirdre are having at the moment? Uh, good morning, uh, Michael, and good morning to Des and Laura. Um, absolutely, uh, where to start with this is uh, is really a little bit of a challenge, um, just looking at a lot of the paperwork that's come across in relation to these cases uh, in the last couple of days. My God, you'd need to be a barrister to try and keep track of, of it all. Um, unfortunately, what tends to happen in scenarios like what we have uh, in the uh, unit in Navan is the game of handball takes place between the two different arms of the state, one being education and the other being the HSE. And uh, there's some correspondence here, I think, going back to the end of May, where uh, the HSE are of the view that this is uh, uh, an issue for the Department of Education and not for them, uh, because the Department of Education hadn't, at that point, given clear guidelines uh, to the uh, school to reopen. Of course, that has now passed and that has now changed. So if the uh, message of the 29th of May uh, was accurate, then it is now in the HSE's uh, court, and that would be on the basis of their of their own letter. Um, unfortunately, what happens in so many of these cases is parents and family members end up, to no fault of their own, becoming activists, becoming lobbyists, becoming campaigners, when all they want to do is parent their children uh, or be uh, as good uh, siblings to a, a brother or sister who may have a disability. And unfortunately, how they get treated by the state leaves them uh, in this sort of situation where they have to try and run campaigns and uh, come onto your radio programme They're morning. Begging, they're begging for information, and uh, I mean, I'm astonished by the, what they've been put through. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and the point being uh, that, you know, this has become, I think, in the last couple of weeks now that the schools have been given uh, clear guidance mm. and that the unions have come in behind that guidance in supporting it. Uh, it has been a mess just in relation to the schools. It's been a mess uh, around the July provision uh, right from the start uh, in terms of how they communicated it and then the, the initial stage, uh, you know, people with uh, Down syndrome weren't going to be uh, allowed into it. It was only going to be for, for those with, with very high, uh, severe and profound uh, needs. Uh, it's it, it's not applicable to second level. There's all sorts sorts of stuff that they they, they really messed up in their communication uh, in the initial stage. Um, I would say that you know Department of Education um, were not didn't have their eye on the ball going back um, you know three months ago in relation to seeing this issue uh, coming along. Maybe they got completely uh, caught up in the in the storm that was the leaving cert. I'm not sure what happened, uh, but anybody could see that this issue was going to start to to arise. Uh, and unfortunately, this is an issue for people right around the country at the moment. Um, the previous speaker, I'm not sure it was Des or Laura, made no. the point that they're not within the roadmap. Uh, there's been no clear guidance on when these services are to reopen. Uh, there should be. There's no reason why why they can't reopen. Um, but at the same time, uh, from what we're hearing on the ground, um, there's claims that there isn't clear guidelines from the HSE. Well, look at that clear guidelines can be put together, I would think, very, very quickly, uh, because God knows there's lots of precedent already out there uh, in relation to the reopening of businesses and all kinds of services. And, uh, uh, am I right in thinking that's your view, but uh, am I uh, right to say then that 
whilst you might think that, you're as much in the dark as Laura and Des are? Well, I, I, I think the view would be that, unfortunately, there are different kind of um, pieces of anecdotal information coming uh, from the, the, the nine different CHOs that we have around the country. Um, that's certainly one particular issue. Uh, I think at national level, uh, the guidelines are being developed. Uh, and I think at national level, uh, HSE national level, there is a view that these services need to be got open and up and running as quickly as it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. I do think there is an issue, all right, for some of the service providers who need some kind of a COVID fund being provided by the department uh, so as they can put PPE in place, they can put deep cleaning in place and that they can make uh, where required uh, small renovations to buildings so that social distancing uh, can be applied. There's a point made by Laura there, which is very true, that there are many people who have been assigned specific mm. uh, budgets for the service that they're getting. There's no reason why those services, you know, now can't change and it become a community-based service with the existing hours that are already there. There are challenges, I think, for some of the HSE services where staff may be redeployed. But mm. at this point, the department uh, and the HSE need to knock their heads together fairly quickly uh, and come up with a plan. I mean, we have a load of people that's unemployed at the moment. Uh, there surely has to be a way in which we can get the people back into employment once they have the right qualifications, of course, to provide these kinds of services. Okay. And I have no doubt the staff are out there. Okay. Um, but the unfortunate thing is that right now uh, what seems to be happening is that uh, the manufacturers of ink and paper are benefiting from this because there's loads of letters going flying over and back between uh, various different service providers and their clients okay. and the HSE and we're not getting anywhere with it. Alright, I um, may come back to this uh, next week or the week after uh, but we're okay. actually way over Sorry. time at the moment uh, but uh, no doubt Inclusion Ireland will make those views known uh, to the HSE because I'm sure the HSE is listening. Uh, I can hear you want to to come back in there, Lauren. I do want you to come back in briefly. Uh, maybe you yeah. tell people how they can sign your petition uh, as yeah. well uh, as well as speak to the HSE because, as I say, I've no doubt they're listening. Yeah, and thank you. I would absolutely love to speak to anybody in the HSE, and I have contacted all of the um, the relevant parties there. But my uh, petition is actually, if you look me up on Facebook, Laura Campion, and you will see I have it public there, and there's a link there, and also on Twitter. Um, But I just wanted to make one point is that I do believe that it's arbitrary because I do know of of a centre that has remained open and is providing a service to service users. So I think that it's the service providers, they need to... um, they need to be um, have some vision here and look for innovative ways to make this work. This has to work. We okay. need compassion and we need action now. All right, Neil, be interested. Thanks. Laura, to hear a text has come to us uh, from somebody who says they're a staff member with Prosper Mead and they feel that the providers want to resume services but are, are concerned about the vulnerability of those we support and how to do it safely. Many, many of our service users have serious medical conditions and further to that, they are going home to family members with medical conditions. There's a huge risk in bringing vulnerable people together and could lead to clusters. Service users have been offered stroke received phone calls, Zoom calls and outreach since the start of the lockdown. Uh, some valid points there but information is what you're looking for really Laura is it? Well information yeah, and obviously okay. anyone who knows uh, my sister Deirdre and others with intellectual disabilities they need face to face contact and I would not accept that a one-hour visit as opposed to 30 hours of contact time is sufficient. OK. And, Daz, uh, to conclude, uh, maybe uh, you'd like to speak to the HSE, no doubt, as I say. Uh, the HSE is listening to us this morning. Well, you know, Michael, as I said at the start, there's been no dialogue with local management, HSE. We just want to see a, a plan in place 
to reopen the, the unit on a phased basis, you know, in line with guidance. That's all we want. We want to see a bit of direction and compassion from the HSE. This whole farce has been an embarrassment, and really, that the local management um, and the HSE should should really hang their heads in shame about yeah. this. All right. Look, thank you for joining us uh, on uh, the program this morning, Des and uh, Laura, and indeed and Egan, who's uh, the chief executive officer of Inclusion Ireland. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from nine on LMFM. To contact us, email now: michael at lmfm.ie. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile. dot com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com/weightloss. That's PlushCare.com/weightloss. PlushCare.com/weightloss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.